0: Wow, so good to see you. Six months, six months since, you know, I've taught here and we had people in the sanctuary. And you don't know how much of a joy it is to see people coming on the morning services to have you come. And uh, I know it's a little different, registering and all of that, uh, but we're gonna keep moving forward. And what is a blessing to see the kids that are in the children's ministry Um, that just brings such joy we sang that um, line Travis out of the beauty um, out of the ashes comes the beauty from Isaiah and as we come in how appropriate as the ashes is falling right and here's the beauty you know I pray we never take for granted that we get to gather the the body of Christ and what joy it is in that word church family and We're here for such a time as this. And it has been a tough six months for all of us, but we're gonna get through this. And we're gonna get through it together. And the Lord still wants to work, and he is working, and he's on the throne, and he's still sovereign. And we're here for such a time as this, so let's keep our eyes on him, let's keep moving forward, let's keep loving each other, growing in the word of God. And, you know, we get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed when we see all this stuff going on around us. And, you know, I'm doing a class in Daniel uh, for Calvary Bible Institute. And I was, you know, just prepping ahead and how Daniel, when he saw the vision, said he just just was overwhelmed and he fainted. and, And then the Lord got him up and it says that he went about the king's business. And that's what you and I are to do. Go about the king's business. As we see the things around us that it just kind of shake us and concern us. But we are blessed because we belong to an eternal kingdom. We have a message of hope to give to others. It is the message of hope. There is no other message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul came into a messed up city, Corinth. And you know how he wrote to them, and he said, when I came to you, I came in much fear and trembling. And I didn't come in the wisdom of man, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And I came determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So the church is very much needed today, more than ever. And we are living in perilous times, but I am so grateful for this morning. And I am grateful for every time that we get to meet. And for the body of Christ to come together. And so, you know, I'm just excited. We are going to have a Bible study, Matthew chapter 9. And we'll start reading that verse 14. But a couple quick announcements and, and then we'll get into our study. We are doing registration um, for the sanctuary. I want to welcome those of you who are out in the backyard. We want to welcome you, and what a blessing that you're willing to come And when it's not easy to be out there. But we're going to continue to have the backyard available where we have a big TV screen out there that used to hang up here. Now it's out in the back, and you can see it in... Uh, after we get done with this Godzilla cold front that's coming in on Tuesday, isn't it crazy? It's just indicative of 2020. 100 degrees today, ashes falling from fires, and then we got a winter storm watch, I think we got for 48 hours, and a low of 22. So, not to give you a weather forecast, but it's just crazy. And I think, what is going on? But then afterwards, we're going to have some nice weather, be back in the 80s, and and so hopefully one of the benefits of the moisture coming in is they'll put those fires out. And we do want to pray for those up on the front lines and the firefighters and, and all across the West and in California. They're out battling those fires, but uh, they just wake up and the ashes are falling. And then uh, what we got coming this week, but next weekend is supposed to be uh, back to upper 70s, low 80s. So we'll have the backyard available as long as it's nice, and you don't have to register for you guys out there in the back. Uh, But we'll just keep doing this. How long? I don't know. I'm just hoping the time comes sooner than later. We can just put the chairs in and just, you know, uh, have people come in. But we're trying to just see how they're spread out. We're we're trying to uh, do the social distancing thing and all of that. You know, you've heard it over and over again. You don't need me to, you know, reiterate it and stuff but um, just to be as safe as possible as we're together and giving preference to one another. So, I, you know, I just want to thank you guys just for your support and your prayers and your encouragement. And um, over the last few months, it means a lot to me. So anyway, volunteers need it uh, for cleaning in between services. If you see people coming in uh, or coming around and um, you know, spraying the chairs and, you know, we're not trying to push you out and it's not anointing oil. Okay. So we're just, kind of <laughs> just disinfecting everything, wiping down everything in between services and stuff. But if you'd like to help with that, that would be a blessing. And uh, so we're trying to keep services about an hour. So we have plenty of time to do that. And then also with the children, if, uh, if you'd like to, to see about helping with that, you can see Angie and you can see Celeste out front and they'll be there. And then Young Adults uh, had a great group that met on uh, Friday night. A lot of kids came out uh, at 7 o'clock, young adults, 18 to 26 years of age, and um, keep coming out. It's just a great opportunity for you to be encouraged and grow in the Lord. And a lot lot of new kids coming out. It's so wonderful. High school, Saturday, 6 to 8.30. And that is on Saturday evenings here, and then middle schoolers they have the class nine thirty and eleven o 'clock and look on our e bulletin. Uh, for um, some of the things they'll be doing uh, after Sunday services, not this weekend, but uh, I believe coming up. So get that schedule. Also, uh, there is grief share that will be starting up, uh, Zoom meeting that Joan uh, is doing, overseeing, and uh, look at that. And then Tuesday is men's study. And ladies' studies, we had a lot of ladies um, sign up for uh, the lady study, which is a blessing. So ladies, those of you who have, you can get your book in the bookstore. We're asking just a couple people in there, just kind of um, not overcrowded. And you can get the book after service. And the bookstore is open, again, first time in six months. So there's some other things that are there as well. And Tuesday 7 o'clock. Hopefully uh, the snow won't affect us too much. Um, the day after Labor Day is like, really? so, um, But anyway, that's what we're facing. And they're planning on being here. They're gonna break up into groups and uh, kind of spread out a little bit. And then the men study as well. And I believe the men will be in the coffee shop. So guys, I know you look forward to that as well. So we're gonna continue online on Wednesday for the time being and kind of getting our bearings back. And we'll just kind of go from there, Jeremiah. And uh, it's just a really powerful study. So that's where we're at right now. I, um, I think a lot of you, you've gotten used to, right, the e-bulletin because we've been forced to kind of get used to that. So um, if you've got any questions on that or, you know, how to, um, you know, download our app on your mobile devices, uh, just let us know and we'll, uh, we'll let you know about all that. So with that said, I think I covered most of everything. Father, we ask that you would just bless this time in, in your word. I am very grateful that we can gather once again as the body of Christ and have kids um, that are meeting and that are singing, uh, to hear the praises of God in this room, and Lord, um, what a gift. What a gift, the body of Christ. And Lord, uh, to be here, to hear your word. And I pray that you would touch our hearts and stir our hearts this morning And I thank you that we can come and, and Lord, just gather together to hear the words of God. Because right now, all around us have been the words of the world. And it weighs on us. And it pulls on us. And it, Lord, we need to be refreshed and renewed. So I pray that you would touch our hearts in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been with us in our study of Matthew's gospel, the religious leaders in Israel have been getting news that there's this one that is working miracles uh, up in the Galilee region. He is um, healing every kind of sickness and disease. He's freeing the demoniacs. And also we have seen in our study of Matthew that the people are coming as well, great multitudes. And they're bringing those who are afflicted and sick. But at this time in Jesus' ministry, not only are the people coming from all over Israel and the cities of the Decapolis and uh, from the surrounding areas, Tyre, Sidon, and, and up in that area of Syria, and, and uh, they uh, were flocking to the Galilee region, we also know that the religious leaders are coming from all over as well. They are coming from as far as Jerusalem, the holy city there where most of the religious leaders uh, lived and the scribes and the pharisees the teachers of the law had come to to watch jesus to listen to jesus now keep in mind that in chapters five six and seven as you know in the sermon on the mount that jesus was teaching the multitudes and the disciples that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the pharisees When it comes to prayer, you know, don't be like the hypocrite, like the Pharisee who stands on the street corner and loves to be heard, drawing attention to himself by his many words. Uh, When you fast, make sure that you don't draw attention to yourself. Uh, Again, don't be like the Pharisee. And when you give, don't blow the trumpet that is before you. And the religious leaders, I'm sure, when they got word, that got back to them, What Jesus was teaching. They they were very upset. I mean, think about it. Giving alms and saying prayers and fasting were the three major expressions of Orthodox Judaism. And the religious leaders took those things very seriously. They were committed to those things. Uh, They would uh, be dedicated to keeping all their traditions and everything. And as we pick up our text this morning, we're going to see that Jesus once again is going to show us that the focus is not the rituals and religiousness and outward appearances, but what matters, what God thinks and says concerning the condition of the heart. So let's begin to read at verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So here are some of the disciples. They come to Jesus and ask him, how come you guys don't fast like we do? And the Pharisees do. And, And perhaps this was a day where it was a fast day. And that's why they're coming and asking Jesus this question. Why don't you fast like us, the disciples of John, but also like the Pharisees? Now, keep in mind that at this time, again, Jesus bringing that teaching on the Sermon on the Mount about how the Pharisees fasted. And at this time, it is believed that the Pharisees fasted every Monday and Thursday. They prayed three times a day. Jesus saying, don't be like the Pharisee to be seen uh, by your many words, uh, standing on the street corner saying these prayers. Uh, Don't be uh, like the Pharisee who is seen when he's fasting. Uh, Don't be like the one who blows the trumpet. And now these guys are coming to Jesus and, and, and they're saying, why aren't you like us? Why aren't you like the Pharisees? Like, did you miss the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount? Now, the law of Moses required only one day of the year to be a fast day, and that was known as Yom Kippur, which the Jews observe even to this day. Uh, The Day of Atonement was the only fast day that the law required. Now, we do see others in the Old Testament, uh, those men of faith like Daniel, Ezra, they were praying, they were fasting. We know Nehemiah, that he prayed and fasted for three to four months before he asked the king to give him permission to go to Jerusalem and reconstruct the wall around the city of Jerusalem after the captivity of Babylon was over. But when we see Nehemiah or Ezra or Daniel fastening in the Old Testament, it was done in great humility, wasn't it? Uh, It was done in a way that they were seeking the Lord. There was a mourning over sin and a desire to get right with God. That is what fasting is to be about today for us as Christians. But what had happened uh, with the Pharisees over the years is them wanting to show how religious they were. Them trying to gain the approval of God and, and they're uh, showing how zealous they were had designated days as fast days. And they were doing it to call god 's attention to their piety, and also, as i 've already mentioned, to draw attention of men, to show how spiritual they were, how dedicated they were to the Lord. So when a Pharisee fast, they would put on sackcloth, they would rub ashes on their faces, uh, they would look all gaunt, and they would stand at the marketplace and as people were coming to buy food they would say oh that pharisee look how pious they are look how righteous they are they're suffering for God and and they are so religious and many days of the year have become fast days long established in tradition and in custom so it was taken for granted that on those fast days that the Pharisees had set aside for fasting that if you were religious and and you wanted to gain the approval of God, that you would fast as well. Uh, You would fast on those days. And so it was probably one of those fast days that they did come to Jesus and his disciples and said, hey, everybody else is fasting. Uh, The religious leaders are fasting. Why aren't your disciples fasting? Why don't you keep our traditions? Why don't you follow our rules and regulations? Why does your group feel like that they don't have to keep to some standard as, as, as what we keep? And, and Jesus gave them a very interesting answer as we read here. He said, as long as the bridegroom is with them, it's not the time to fast. Now, I think that I can say that probably all of us have been to a wedding before. And, and some of you, uh, that you put together a wedding, I've officiated many weddings before, and usually there's a wedding, and then there's a reception that follows afterwards. Not always, but usually there is. And usually at that reception, there is food there, at, at least maybe cake. Um, sometimes there's a whole feast of food that is there. But I have never been to a wedding, and a reception of that wedding ceremony and I doubt if you have as well that you went to the reception, sat at the table, and there was a little card there that said this is a reception where we're going to fast, you know, a, a fast, fasting reception. No, you don't have that. Now, guys, those of you who have in the future are going to have to pay for your daughter's wedding. You might be thinking that's not a bad idea, you know. just <laughs> We're just going to be spiritual, and we're just going to have... A fast for the reception. But no, it's a time of celebrating, isn't it? That's my point. It's a time of feasting. It's a time of joy is what it is. And that's what Jesus is getting at here because in ancient Israel... You know, the wedding ceremony was, it was a great celebration, just as it is today. But it was so much so that it would last even a week back in ancient Israel. And they would feast, and and there was celebration, and there was great joy. And it still is today. Matter of fact, one of the times that we were in Israel, uh, we were staying at at a place, uh, a hotel named after Rachel of the Old Testament, right on the edge of Jerusalem near Bethlehem. And it was a cherry orchard. And it was out there kind of in the country and very beautiful. And they do weddings out there at this kibbutz that we were staying at. And one of the times that we were staying there, uh, there was a wedding uh, going on. And they were getting ready for it. And and we came in, checking into the kibbutz uh, on our tour. And there was an elderly man that was there. And he saw that we're from Greeley, because we have a sign on our bus, you know, Calvary Chapel Greeley. He said, I went to school in Greeley at UNC a long time ago. So he invited us to the wedding, to his granddaughter's wedding that was getting married. So out of respect, we kind of kept our distance, but it was great celebration as we watched it. And even before the, the ceremony started, and you had the groom party over here, and you had the... The the bride and, and all her bridesmaids, and all of that over here. And there was, you know, a celebration and music and tambourines going back and forth. It was really cool to see. And so that's, you know, the celebration of a wedding even today in Israel. And we also know that, and I've mentioned this to some of you before when I've done a wedding or to a couple, that the Jewish Talmud says that there's one time, one duty that you have at a wedding, and that is to rejoice. You're absolved from everything else, from prayer, from any other duty, from work. The only duty that you have at a wedding ceremony is to rejoice, and that is it. And that's what Jesus is beginning to show these religious leaders, that something new is happening. The Lord was putting his finger upon the nature of the new relationship that he had come to demonstrate and to bring to men because they were so used to the emphasis of rules and rituals and traditions and temple worship and sacrifices and being silent before the greatness of God. And now the Lord is teaching them that a new relationship has come to where there can be vitality and worth of intimacy with the bridegroom himself. And it can only be expressed in terms of joy. It is to be expressed in terms of gladness and celebration. It reminds me of what we're going through in Jeremiah in chapter 31 of that book, really the heart of the book of Jeremiah, where the Lord says that there's going to be a new covenant that I'm going to bring. And we as Christians, we get to experience and enjoy that new covenant where the Lord says, I'm going to write my word on the tablets of your heart, not just on the tablets of stone, not just on the tablets of a scroll, but it's going to be in your heart. And I will be your God. So, you know, a new heart, uh, a new, you know, relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ as we've been reconciled to the Father. And and I'm going to give you a new beginning as our sins are forgiven, washed clean. And, And that's all in Jeremiah chapter 31, which we get to enjoy relationship, intimacy, closeness with the Lord. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is a time to be rejoicing. I am with these disciples. It's not a time to be mourning. It's not a time to be fasting. It's a time to be celebrating, a time to rejoice. And what my prayer for, for me, and what my prayer for you and for this church Is that we wouldn't just be all sour and dour and negative and critical. That we wouldn't just be grumpy Christians. Jesus said, you know, the friends of the bridegroom were rejoicing. And you and I, we are likened to the bride of Christ because we are friends of the bridegroom. And we are to have a heart of rejoicing and celebration, even in the difficulties, and listen, through the loss and the trials that we go through, we can have reason to rejoice deep in our hearts It's a joy inexpressible. It's a peace that passes understanding that the Bible talks about. And I don't want to make light of the difficulties or the loss or the trials that you're going through or people in our own fellowship are going through. But we can rejoice because we're friends of the bridegroom. And we can have thankfulness. And it's not sadness, but it's gladness. It's not being cynical, but it's a celebration. It's not just being judgmental to to condemnation, but it's joy. And it's not just religion. It's relationship. It's not a funeral. It's a wedding. And I am with you. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 16, No one puts a piece of, of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskin breaks, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. So in answering their question about fasting and being religious, Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about patching up the old system, the system that the Pharisees and the religious leaders have put into place, the traditions that have been established. I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to patch up the old. It won't work. And if you put a piece of, of, of new cloth on an old garment, when it goes into the wash, it's going to shrink away. You can't patch up old systems. Uh, I'm doing a new work. Not according to the pharisaical system. And then he says something interesting. He says you can't put new wine in hardened old wineskins because the new wine, when you put it in, to that hard wineskin. It begins to ferment. It begins to expand. It begins to push. And with the the new wine doing that and the hardness of the wineskin, uh, it's going to break that wineskin. The wine's going to be lost. The wineskin is going to be ruined. So what you do, and this was obvious to them, is you put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now, as Jesus is contrasting The new and the old. An interesting note here. The word for new is in new wine. Uh, New wine. Neos wine. You put neos wine, and you put it into new wineskins, but it's a different word for for new there when used for wineskins. So you put neos wines, and the different word is kynos. Stay with me. Neos wine, new wine, must be put into kainos, wineskins. And that word kainos means to be renewed, renewed wineskins, refreshed wineskins. You say, so what, Pastor Jeff? Here's something to think about. In Jesus' day, wineskins were valuable. They were relatively expensive for many people. They weren't always available. It wasn't like you can wall, you know, go down to Walmart and get a new wineskin. So many people, when a wineskin began to get very hard, if you didn't have or didn't want to spend money or they weren't available for a new wineskin, what you would do is you would take that hardened wineskin and you would renew it. You would refresh it. You would kinos it. In other words, you would take the old wineskin and you would soak it in water for days. And as that process took place, the elasticity And the flexibility of that wineskin would return. If you took the old hardened wineskin, you put it in the water, and what we can learn from that is this, that we are washed with the water of the word, Ephesians chapter 5. Jesus said that you are clean by the word which I have spoken to you. The psalmist writes, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So how is it that you and I, that we stay flexible? How is it that we stay refreshed? How is it that we are renewed, especially in the days in which we are in? Because we can become so rigid, we can become so hard. Listen, this is for me. It's a message for me because I can become rigid and hard. And my heart begins to harden up. As I see the things around me and it angers me and it gets me upset, and how is it that I can stay renewed and refreshed and flexible? I soak in the scriptures. I soak in the water of the word. It is seeking the one who is the word. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us, John chapter 1. And to make that a priority in my life, and to say what a joy it is to soak in the scriptures and you personally, Lord, and as we do that and make a commitment to that constantly, daily, that we're going to be renewed. We're going to be flexible. We're going to see that there's a new work that God wants to do in our lives and in our families and in this church family, this place corporately. There will be a hardening if we're not allowing the word of God to soak our hearts. If we're not sensitive to the voice of the Lord, my pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, before he went home to be with the Lord, I heard him say to us pastors when we would go out and have pastors conferences with him. He said, men that make sure that you're flexible, blessed are the flexible for they shall not break. All of us have had to be flexible (laughs) over the last six months for sure. And we want to be flexible spiritually in what God wants to do in our lives and in our church, not to be so rigid and hard and so routine. Now, routine has gone out the window, hasn't it? But I know that I'm a creature of routine. And there are some things that will continue to be a routine. But my point is simply this. Lord, I want to seek you today in your word. Speak to me. And what you want to do with my life today, who you want me to talk to, a word to give to somebody, who you want me to minister to and pray with, to, to read your word, Lord, to, to, to refresh me with new understanding, fresh vision. Now, in Luke's gospel, it's recorded that Jesus went on to say that no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. He, he's talking about the old... Religious systems that were there in Judaism that will begin to challenge Jesus and what it is that he's teaching. The religious leaders have been drinking of the old system for so long. They were very content with it, they were drunk with it. You've become so hard, like old hardened structure wineskins, and it has been so hard for the people because it became a burden to the people like old hardened structures and wineskins. It was based on tradition and and harshness and hypocrisy and dead religion, and it was beyond repair, and I am doing something new. Again, the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood for forgiveness of sin. It's not dead religion. It will be living and fresh and real relationship. I'm not talking about reforms. I'm talking about new birth. Now, in this, here's the thing to keep in mind. We're talking about the Lord just keeping our hearts fresh and and renewed and growing in the Word of God, growing in understanding of the Word of God. We're not talking about weirdness. I've heard this term, you know, new wine. I remember there was a big move in the church years ago that... You need to listen to the Holy Ghost bartender and, you know, the new move of the Spirit, the new wine, and people are laughing and barking in the Spirit and drunk in the Spirit and all this nonsense. It's not talking about, well, the teachings of Jesus is old and we need to embrace that which is current and new and relevant and the Scriptures and the teachings of Jesus is progressing, open to new interpretations, so we can be culturally relevant, you know, progressive theology. It's not talking about that. The new work, the fresh work of the Spirit, will always, always, always be based on the truth of God's Word and the gospel, a message of repentance towards God, coming to the cross of Christ, a message of hope in the future that we have found in Christ, the joy and gladness of knowing Christ. It is always based on truth, but the Lord doing that work in our hearts. I caught the end of the Jesus movement, you know, with Calvary Chapel and Pastor Chuck and ministering to the hippies and and began in the 60s and in the 70s, and it was an incredible move of God. And I got to hear a lot of the stories from that first generation of pastors that came out of out of that revival the Jesus' movement and their testimonies and how they were so messed up. Some of them have been pastoring some of the largest churches in the world. And as a middle-aged man, behind a wooden box, under a tent, taught through the word of God, there was such a move of God there was such a work of God, and there was a freshness and a newness, and, and some of the people didn't like that, and so the hippies would come in, you know, and when they did have pews, they would come in barefoot, and they'd stick their big toe up in the, you know, the communion holes. <laughs> and so some of the older people got very upset about that, and so they put a sign up that said, you, you, you know, can't come into this place unless you have shoes, and Chuck tore it down and said, we will tear the carpet out and all these pews out. We are going to love these young people. And we're going to grow them and we're going to minister to them. You know, listening to some of these guys, they said, one of the things about Pastor Chuck, we came in, we we were fried on drugs, we were messed up, but he loved us and he gave us truth. And he was a father to us. He was a father to us. And there was such a move of God that they didn't fully understand. And a new music came out. That's where the whole contemporary worship came out of. And there were those down the street saying, Calvary Chapel's a cult. You can't sing those songs. You can only sing the old hymns. Listen, I love the old hymns. But there was a freshness about it that was centered on the teaching of the Word of God, and we will never compromise that. And we will never compromise the gospel and the need to repent and come to Jesus Christ. And it's the only hope for anyone. But things might change. The message won't change. But the method may change a little bit. The front here. Social media that we'll use. Maybe... The radio program, we're looking at redoing it so we can reach people more effectively. You're going to see young people that are ministering here. I I love seeing the young people. And it's not just for us. It's for anyone that wants to minister as he does the work here. But to invest in the next generation. Because what has happened is I've seen churches die. I've seen churches die because they had the motto of we do it this way and this is what we do and we're going to do it this way and it will never change. And I've seen churches go from hundreds down to ten because they didn't give the next generation a reason to come. They didn't invest in the next generation. They weren't loving those kids. It's like, get your hat off. Why are you coming in dressed like that? And God forbid that ever be this place. This is a place, a hospital. And listen, revival's messy. For people who need Christ, who are isolated and alone, and, and their family life is just really bad. And culture around them is just confusing them. And they need to hear truth and they need to be loved. And I believe God wants to do that work, I really do. And He's doing that work. I was teasing some of the young people. They're you know, doing worship, and you know they're back there giggling and all that. I said, you know, you shouldn't be giggling. You're not supposed to be happy at church, you know. They're just full of life and the joy of being here, and it won't be perfect, and we'll make mistakes, but we're going to love each other, and we're going to move forward, and I believe God wants to do a new work. You know, one of the things that I did this summer is I remember one time after a Wednesday night, it hadn't been you know going months and months without wednesday night and people being here and then you know trying to figure out what you do on sunday mornings and all the stuff we've been through and stuff i remember sitting out in my my car out in the parking lot thinking lord i feel like everything's just dying i felt like elijah in the cave that's like you know and you know there wasn't the the wind there wasn't the fire there wasn't Earthquake, the still small voice of the Lord saying, Jeff, I got things for you to do. I'm not done. So quit your sniveling, wipe your nose, get inside. We're going to move forward. And I am so excited what the Lord is going to do. And you know, my thought was, I just want to go back to the way it was. We'll go back to some of the things the way it was, but it's not always going to... We're not going to go back. We can't go back. We can only move forward in what the Lord has for us. Amen? Are you ready for it? Let's love people. Let's receive them. Let this place be a hospital. One of the things that, you know, those guys would joke about, Pastor Chuck, the reason that he was bald, because he pulled his hair out, <laughs> ministering to us and putting up with us. It, but he always loved us and he never gave up on us and we're not going to give up on each other oh we'll bring correction when correction needs to be brought we'll stand for righteousness but we're going to do it out of love and love for people that need the gospel and to see light and to know of his grace and of his provision Let's move forward. Let's be ready for that. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time and your word. And Oh, Lord, so gracious, so wonderful. And I thank you that you desire to do new work in us, not to where we get hard or rigid or complacent, or but, Lord, just allowing you to work in every generation, every age, every tongues, people, nations, and kindreds, We have been redeemed by your blood. And you're on the throne, and you have a plan for us. And, Lord, we're here for such a time as this. And you want to save, and you want to minister. So, Lord, help us to just be looking to you, and not to become rigid and hard and cynical, but, Lord, just allow you to use us in the days in which we were in. And I do want to pray if there's anyone that is here that maybe you're, maybe you're out in the back, maybe you're listening online, maybe on the radio later, that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. He is your hope. There is none other. You cannot earn your way to heaven. It is only coming humbly, repenting, turning to Jesus and asking for forgiveness. He went to the cross to die for you personally. And he loves you so much. And he took your sins upon himself and made atonement for your sins. And he was put into a grave and he rose again. And he conquered sin and death. And he is the light. And your salvation is found in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you turn to him today? Jesus, I come and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I know you love me because you proved it on that cross. Forgive me. And you're alive and I, I want this new heart be my personal Lord and Savior and this new relationship and this new life that you promise. And I thank you for that. And I come in faith believing in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I do want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life. And for all of us as we go out, Lord, keep us safe this week. And Lord, just keep this place safe. And Lord, may we keep our eyes on you in every way, every day, soaking in the scriptures and you personally, in Jesus' name.